Welcome to Veterans in Academics. This podcast highlights people and topics where the veteran experience and academia overlap. Join your host, Dr. Luke McLeese, in this groundbreaking content. Each week, we explore new stories, topics for you. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Veterans in Academics. I'm your host, Dr. Luke McLeese, and with me today is Dr. Ben Wadman of Flinders University in South Australia. Ben, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Yeah, thank you for uh, having me uh, from the other side of the world. It's excellent to be here. It's uh, a a real um, honor to uh, contribute to your uh, discussions about uh, veterans in academia. Well, we're so glad to have you, and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to learning more about you and hearing your story. Um, so, Ben, with, without any further ado, sir, can you tell us a, a couple, a little bit about yourself, sir? Yeah, sure. Um, I am a associate professor in sociology in the College of Education, Psychology and Social Work at Flinders University. I'm a, a researcher more than anything, and uh, a veteran. And um, I am the director of Open Door Veteran Transition Integration and Wellbeing Research Center, and also the uh, deputy director of the Orama Institute of Mental Health and Wellbeing. So, in short, my big I, my 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 big role is to uh, bring veterans uh, into the larger community after transition and to um, uh, create opportunities for well-being and uh, a sustainable lifestyle. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. It sounds like with all those connected but very roles, you're uh, a busy man. But you're a busy man doing a lot of very positive work. Yeah, that's right. Uh, look, um, uh, I was uh, an infantry soldier in my early career. Um, I saw a lot of things and did a lot of things. And uh, one of the big things I learned was resilience. And uh, that's not to say that uh, some of the uh, issues from that experience don't go on. But uh, look, we've um, got to look ahead, forge ahead and uh, contribute back to our community. So uh, I've uh, taken the path of um, uh, academia. It wasn't something that I chose to take. Uh, It's something I stumbled upon. I'm here 30 years on, and uh, what we're doing now is trying to do research programs, contribute to government policy to uh, uh, better the outcomes of all, all veterans in, in, in Australia. Yeah, Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Ben, let's, let's hop into it. So uh, let's, let's go over this. So you, you were in the military, you were in the infantry, and now you've spanned uh, into 30 years into education. So, sir, given that, can you tell us, something that you see that veterans in higher education at this moment are doing well at? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, at Flinders University, what we've tried to do is create a veteran entry pathway, a military academic pathway program. And um, we know that uh, the um, experiences of veterans are quite diverse. You know, we have uh, commissioned officers in Australia, we have senior NCOs, and we have other ranks, and uh, there are across that group, their um, educational needs, their uh, pathways from transition to employment and the sustainable lifestyle are quite diverse. Um, so uh, we're trying to create this sort of opportunity where uh, veterans don't need the normal um, uh, requirements to get into university and we rely upon their, their service. Now, when they come to university, um, they are um, uh, in the we, we the foundation the, the the map is a foundation course, and it um, creates a four week uh, opportunity for uh, veterans to show their aptitude to attend university. Uh, look, myself, I didn't have yet, I didn't finish my high schooling. I joined the infantry as a young man that was uh, unemployed, and here I am thirty years on. So. Uh, the idea is that uh, we're going to uh, uh, access all veterans 
but really make an effort to get those uh, other ranks and uh, um, arms corps type uh, personnel where there's a difficulty in um, translating the skills from uh, those uh, work uh, conditions to civilian life and uh, to try and expose them to a range of opportunities and get them into university. And uh, when they come to university, they are really kind of like the ideal student. They're, uh, they turn up, they uh, respond, they speak, they um, uh, make the effort, uh, they're curious, and, uh, they're a, and they have a, a, a capacity for uh, critical decision-making, and they offer a, uh, a kind of a worldliness, you know, a, 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 even at the young ages, to, uh, to the classroom. And uh, this is a very valuable contribution to higher education. So uh, uh, veterans bring a, a, uh, a new value to education, to higher education. They also bring um, something of a resolution to the civil military culture gap. The fact that military and civil society are quite different. And uh, they help us to close that understanding and really in order to have uh, a more holistic, better society, we need to uh, bring those two things together. That's amazing. And I, I'm glad on that last part that you pointed that out, you know, because, and this is universal through everybody I've talked to and through all the literature you read, you know, and everybody kind of hyper inflates the civilian military divide. But what you just pointed out is a, is a great point because, here we have a population, and it's the same in the United States. We have the population of the military veteran, and like you pointed out, it doesn't matter their background, you know, officer, senior enlisted, junior enlisted, reserves, regular, uh, everything in between. That, that combination of demographic uh, does more that I've seen in this country and then what I've, from talking to other people and the literature and then what you've just mentioned, uh, I think it all holds true that they do more to bridge that, you know, un, that unphysical, untangible gap that everyone talks about. And it's really a, a unique and interesting thing to see. And it plays out more and a university campus, I think, than in any other space in society. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Ben, now on the flip side. So I love, I love your answer. I love hearing everything that's going on and, and you know, um, all the accommodations and well, I mean, everything is so well thought out. Now on the flip side of that, sir, what is something that veterans in higher education could do to improve or what's something we could improve upon? Well, I, well, I, I think there's, there's obviously two sides to this. There's the veteran side, and then there's the um, uh, university side. And so, let me start with the university side. Um, we can do better by becoming veteran-sensitive universities, veteran-inclusive university. Okay, we've done it for a lot of other population groups. There's the, that divide that we just talked about uh, manifests in um, the classroom. Obviously, you know. Um, often in ideological manner, ways, okay? So um, less so in the sciences, less so um, in those uh, more scientific spaces. But when we get into the humanities and psychology, sociology, um, some of those discussions can become, uh, a, you know, a, a reasonable point of tension. So um, the university can, uh, you know, we should be running education programs for uh our academics to uh, know what it means to be veteran sensitive. Uh, we should be uh, providing flexible timetabling, flexible options for, uh, for veterans because uh, some may be still serving in the reserves, uh, some may health, have health issues and uh, the transition process is not uh, simple. Um, you're moving from a, a wage to a, in Australia, you're moving from a wage to a study wage uh, before you find employment. So there's a lot of challenges along the way, which um, not everyone can solve, not government can solve, not the university can solve. So um, there's a lot more work to be done uh, in terms of the university addressing the, uh, 
the different needs of veterans. And um, on the other side, well, um, personally, you know, you know, we established the uh, military academic pathway program at Flinders University, and uh, it's it's pretty standard sort of course in terms of foundation critical thinking. Uh, academic uh, writing, uh, referencing, uh, these sorts of things. But we have a, a point of difference, and that is um, that as a veteran, I provide a couple of lectures on transition, and uh, the other the other lecture I provide is on um, that culture gap. You know, so uh, look, uh, uh, the only way I can explain it is from experience. Seventeen years old, right. uh, joined the joined the infantry. Uh, you're the top 10%. You're um, here to, to serve the country. You've got a purpose. Um, and it, there's a form of nationalism to that. Um, you know, you learn to work in a team, uh, to get the thing done. Uh, what you see is what you get. Let's not, let's not mess around with, uh, you know, sitting around thinking about it. Let's find a plan. Let's make it happen. And um, right. that is not university. <laughs> right. University is, <laughs> university is uh, sitting down, analysing, thinking, uh, working things out. Now, that's a really important thing. That is really important. Right. It's important all the time, but it's really important post-service, right, because it's a process of the transition. It helps you to think through the narrative you're given by the military and then what the narrative is in civil society. And, you know, it, you, it might be too simplistic, but the, there's the military and the university. If you're coming into the university, that's civil society. So um, as we as veterans have to learn to reconcile that, to understand that, to uh, uh, be productive about that, not to be defensive, you know, to, to um, understand that actually what we served for uh, was to allow everyone a freedom of speech and an opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much so we, we had those roles in the military to uphold the very things that make uh, university inquiry great. Right. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and speaking to that last part too, Ben, I, I think I, I completely agree. And what's what I, what I agree with and I, what I'd ask every veteran uh, of anywhere and in, in any nationality, any gender, any, any background to be mindful of is instead of being caught up in, in serving the master of this is what I did in the military and, you know, goal achievement and focus and drive. And this is how higher education is, you know, thinking through uh, inquiry, moving slow, instead of being a victim of either one of those, harness both of those, right? Because yeah. then I think we're in a very unique position to really pull from both and, and yeah. boost up what we're, what we're doing. I love that. Absolutely. Um, so Ben, so very insightful, sir. Let's, let's make a jump though. And let's talk about you, sir. So you've mentioned a few times already that you were in the infantry and, uh, you know, let's, and you mentioned that you, um, you know, joined or you signed up very young. So talk us through that. What motivated you to join the military? What did you do? And what was your time like while you served? Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, um, I joined at 17. Um, I applied earlier, but, uh, you know, uh, you can only really enlist fully at 18 anyway in Australia. Right. Um, uh, I was unemployed in my town of South Australia. Uh, I didn't fi finish my schooling. Uh, there weren't a lot of options. Um, I'd already had, always had an interest in the military, uh, not not obsessively, but uh, just an understanding of history. And, you know, the, so it, it was a bit of an intellectual pursuit about understanding the, why the world was the way it was. Um, I joined the military. I joined the ADF. Uh, and um, in 1987, I became an infantry soldier, did my IE initial employment training, headed up to... Uh, Townsville, the Operational Deployment Force that served in 2-4 RAR, Royal Australian Regiment, 
uh, great honour to be, you know, one of uh, proportionally the few in Australia to serve in the Australian infantry. Uh, we patrolled the uh, jungles in northern Australia and the deserts in uh, around Darwin, Northern Territory. And I went to New Guinea on um, exercise uh, and um, even exercises can offer you uh, different experiences. Uh, really? just, yeah. So um, that was a time when uh, there was some conflict heating up in that space. And uh, um, I, I, I loved the, uh, I, I loved, I loved the infantry lifestyle. Um, I, uh, watched, uh, you know, this may sound naive or whatever, but uh, I watched the uh, platoon, the movie Platoon, four times before I joined. <laughs> and there's a scene where um, uh, Charlie Sheen is on his first patrol. Uh, he leaves his rifle outside of arm's length, which you know oh, yeah. we never do. And uh, the ants are biting and the rain is falling and the m moon is pushing through the 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 uh, canopy and the uh, um, Viet Cong come through and uh, open fire and uh, the other fellow that's on his first patrol uh, is killed and to me that was um, uh, a kind of uh, young man's epiphany. Uh, I said that's what I've got to do. That's what I'm. That's what I'm made for. And um, I joined the Australian Defence Force and um, I became an infantry soldier. Um, and uh, um, it uh, is a formative part of my life. Like uh, uh, out of everything in my life, that is a formative period of life, formative two and a half years of uh, patrolling and um, being an infantry soldier. And then uh, the, the, the tension comes in, right? So uh, life circumstances change. What am I going to do? Um, where you know what skills do I have? Right. So I moved into uh, the military police and uh, became sort of exposed to um, it's not just you know uh, for for many I, th I think military police is a simply a disciplinary sort of uh, formation, but uh, for me it's a question of um, well where do things go wrong in the military? You know how does the military justice system work? Uh, uh, you know, so uh, probably thinking too much for the uh, average dig, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, uh, um, left the military because of uh, life circumstances. Um, I went to university and uh, here I am 30 years later, but I've just got to say, and I know I'm talking a lot, but uh, that period from um, leaving to knowing what I was going to do, that transition period, it was uncertain. Uh, it was undirected. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, military ADF support. And uh, I didn't uh, know I was going to go to university. I had a lot of other, I did security work. Um, and uh, I stood out a lot, I stood outside of a lot of uh, buildings overnight to, uh, you know, in, in that sort of uh, position. Uh, and I, well, I guess the message is that um, we uh, uh, can't 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 sell ourselves short. You know, there's a lot of there's a bigger options than that's all good work, but there's bigger options than that. Absolutely, absolutely, and and so much of your story, I think, uh, is, is so similar to mine. And <clears throat> you're right. Uh, I think our biggest, and I say us, not you and I, but uh, us as veterans as a whole, uh, internationally, some of the some of the biggest things that hold us back are ourselves, right? If there's perimeters that are around us, typically it's a perceived perimeter that we've put on ourselves. Um, let's back up and, and talk about you. So you definitely got out at a different time. It's different than. You know, the uh, Iraqi and Afghanistan veteran time where we're figured out some of these issues and they've been working on these and there's all these entities. Um, and when you get to your transition, you, you say that there, you know, there just wasn't anything out there. Well, I do have a, 
I do have a reconnaissance party in Australia, in South Australia, and uh, they actually deploy from Kangaroo Island. So they're pretty close to you. And, and one of the members of this reconnaissance party told me when you got to your transition, uh, you said that you could either be a security guard or a bouncer. Is this true? Not far off. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, uh, even after I finished, look, this is a, a bigger issue than just defense. Uh, um, this is about how society uh, thinks of the veteran. Right. And then creates particular pathways that a veteran can take. And that's where our resilience kind of sticks in is because we have to go, no, I'm not, I'm not following that line. I'm going to do something different. And uh, I finished my degree and uh, still the jobs I got, head of security at my current university. Another job I got, corrections officer in the uh, uh, South Australian correction system. And um, then I finally, uh, you know, I, 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 I did the interviews, I, um, whatever took the process and uh, undertook the process. And um, at the same time, I had the opportunity for a graduate position in health policy. Um, and I resisted the other positions and I said, I'm not going to follow that pathway. I'm going to break out of this. And I took the uh, graduate position in health policy. And that was, that was, that was, uh, I'm not talking about the actual challenges. So amazing, but the fact that, uh, you move out of that train, that, uh, that, that railroad, Right. Possible of what you think the veteran can do. And um, uh, one of my first jobs was to write a men's health policy for the South Australia. Uh, uh, in a, um, uh, luckily enough, as I, was, I was able to uh, run that job. And um, men's health, veterans, it all opens up. You know, so it's a coincidence there as well, right? So uh, um, men's health, um, it's all about being tough, strong, uh, not going to health services, uh, risk of injury, uh, high risk behaviors like smoking, drinking, these sorts of things. And it's a question of who we are as men. And, um, uh, you know, you relate that to the veteran example. That's who we are. We're, uh, we're not, um, we are socialized to take charge, to manage, to, um, uh, uh, address the situation and uh, put ourselves second. And so uh, where I am now is about a position of saying, well, we can change uh, the way we are as men. Um, we can change who we are as veterans. And, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities before us. So let me ask you, Ben, that's very, very interesting. It's very interesting that you got into health policy. Uh, take us back. What, what was your undergraduate degree in? Yeah, I um, look, uh, I'll be quite honest, and it kind of takes me back to the military again in the battalion. There's a lot of uh, uh, bad boy behavior, a lot of bad, bad arsery. And, uh, it, you know, it's humorous and funny, but it also has uh, actually quite uh, difficult uh, outcomes and consequences for a lot of people. So, um, you know, the public included and uh, uh, women included. And, you um, uh, I had a lot of questions about that. Uh, you know, uh, again, maybe I'm an idealist, but I stood up for the honor of serving for the fact that I was going to be helping people and creating a better world. And I didn't respond to uh, tribal sort of male behavior. And um, uh, this um, gave me a lot of questions. I also had a lot of questions about uh, the whole relationship of Okay, so we all we all we join the military with a perspective that we're here to serve and we're going to protect the nation, but not every war is uh, a clean war. Uh, we're not always there. Uh, unnecessarily under the right circumstances, uh, you know, and we're young and we don't unnecessarily understand that. So um, 
we do our best and we perform and we put ourselves, our lives on the line. Um, I, I wanted to understand this. So uh, uh, I left, um, I, I would have stayed in the military for a long time, but uh, life circumstances pushed me into uh, leaving. I went to university. Um, I studied sociology and criminology. Okay. And I've, and I've, and I've become an expert in um, social policy and defense policy. Okay. So that, that's, the, that's the passage. Okay. Okay. Very good. So, so sociology and criminology, and then obviously to get the opportunity for the health policy, they were, I, I'm assuming they were looking at the aspect that you could do re sociological research for this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So okay. uh, perfect. Uh, the uh, government at the time was looking at, at health population health policy. Uh-huh. And, um, I got the job for men's health policy. We were doing women's health policy, disability policy, youth policy at the same time, and uh, Indigenous policy. That's, uh, you know, Aboriginal Australians. And uh, I got the uh, men's health policy line. Very interesting. Very interesting. And very interesting that, um, you know, your thought was spurred from that, from your time in the military and in the infantry. Because uh, I, I have some people from time to time, they ask me what it was like in you know the infantry and outside of being deployed all the time and you know all the field type of work uh from time to time a less popular question is what was barracks life like and uh, i always try to equate it to the scenes in pinocchio <laughs> when pinocchio gets the view of like where all the bad kids go you know <laughs> and, and they're and they're drinking and smoking and yeah. uh, you know, gambling and all that stuff on, you know, with, for the first time without parents around, <laughs> that's, that's what a, a core of that life is like. Yeah, absolutely. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> me too. Uh, I always, uh, you know, what I, I, um, I played up, I uh, loved the laughter. I love, you know, military humor is just in camaraderie is uh, something we all miss when we leave. Right. Um, Very unique. I love, the, I love the connection with the boys, um, but uh, um, I mean, this is this is not controversial. This is just something that happens. Uh, it's part of the, uh, the 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 question of gender in our society, and that uh, there is this other side to it. Absolutely, absolutely. There there are bigger roots to it, and and it really is something that's. I think we learn before we get into the military because it is perpetuated in yeah. pop culture you know just like the movie you mentioned before um platoon you, you know you get a, a lot of views of, of party scenes there and, yeah. and i think there is that kind of pre-expectation to some degree before we even get in the military yeah and fundamentally right uh we um in the military we um are there to do uh, some pretty uh upfront and difficult work right I mean, you know, uh, how much do you want to suppress that ability to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then sometimes, you know, I think it's also bound by location. Uh, what else are you going to do for recreation? Like you mentioned that you were in Darwin. Well, for my American listeners that maybe aren't familiar with this area, uh, there's not a lot out there, right? So, so I know that I was in situations in, in the U.S. military where sometimes you're in a town and there's literally nothing else to do. So what do you do? Well, you're going to drink with your buddies because there's no other options, you know? And so sometimes I think that is, is part, part of the equation. Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, I think part of the I think part of the uh, dilemma there is that uh, we are part of the profession of arms, and there's an ethics and a morals to that. We we would hope. I know that warfare provide creates situations which are irreconcilable, um, and which may never be able to be explained in the way that they turned out. But uh, um, it comes back to my sort of. Uh, uh, moral base which is that uh, i'm there to help people to produce a productive environment to create security certainty and opportunity and uh um i have to reconcile that between the way in which i uh unload 
and debrief. Right, right. Absolutely. Okay, so so from health policy, so sociology to criminology to uh, health policy, and this was the health policy portion was part of a graduate program, correct? Yeah, that's right. So uh, you know, I could have been a correctional officer or I could have taken a graduate program um, with a bunch of uh, young civilian graduates to uh, work in the public service. And that's what I did. And uh, it posed some challenges and some real opportunity. Excellent. And so then from there, did you, did you harness some of what you did in that graduate work then in for your, your doctoral work? Or did you go a completely different route? And, and what was your focus like for your, your doctoral work? Yeah, uh, I have to say that uh, I left the military in 1992 and I finished my PhD in 2004. I started studying in 19, I started studying in 1992. So uh, uh, look, um, I had experience in the military, which uh, gave, it's not uncommon, gave me a sense of wanting to reject that experience and to stay away from the institution and anyone that involved in it. Right, right. And uh, I would say that my intellectual journey through university was a way of uh, not going to a psychologist. So um, I, I learned uh, to do it on my own. Um, you know, I'm not saying I'm got it right. But uh, I certainly did the intellectual and cognitive and emotional work to manage a whole bunch of things through that through the study portal. And um, uh, essentially, my study for that ten years was about difference. Okay. So uh, the military is heavy on conformity, hierarchy, regimentation, right? Suppression of difference at least in my time, and uh, my research went in that period to how do we manage difference in our society? How do we deal with Indigenous people? How do we do, deal with uh, uh, LGBTI? How do we, you know, how do we increase women's participation in society? And look, uh, um, in some respects, uh, I'm ahead of my time there, right? Because that's what we're focused on now. That's what we're doing now. Um, and, um, uh, when I finished that PhD, which was on Aboriginal reconciliation in Australia, the possibilities of Aboriginal reconciliation in Australia, uh, you know, really, is it a, is it, what, you know, what are the, what are the, uh, possibilities of that outcome? Um, then I moved back into the military and, uh, when we're talking to my PhD supervisor shortly before I finished and saying, what will I do next? And I said, I'm going to go back to the military uh, because the military encompasses all these things. It encompasses questions of uh, sovereignty. Who are, who are we as a nation? Right. National, national character. Right. Right? You know, who, who are we as a people? Uh, and obviously, you know, questions of territory and governance and, um, uh, you know, the things that govern who we are uh, as Australians and uh, the things that govern who you are as um, uh, citizens of the United States. Right? So uh, sounds a bit deep, but that's where I went. And um, now uh, through that process, which I, I, I can only say it, it was cathartic. It's about bringing the trauma, the depth of experience out of my short time in the military to the surface. Uh, now my focus is about um, growth and opportunity. How do we uh, create opportunities and pathways for veterans to go through what is a, a period of upheaval, the transition out of the military? And then if it's exacerbated by physical and medical health issues, how do we support and service those people? Wow. Wow. And I'm going to say this, Ben. Uh, you know, usually I, and, and I'm going to ask you, but but this thread is so clear for you and, and much more clear to me than it is for some other individuals that I've talked to. Uh, this, how does your life experience inform what you're doing today? But th this whole, yeah, this thread is just so obvious for you because you had this experience in the military uh, and then your, your formal education after you got out 
dealt directly with sociology, right? And then you go into uh, sociolo sociological research as it applied to health policy, but here you've gotten experience for policy. And now uh, you're saying for your doctoral work that you're really looking at those differences and, and how to help people understand and navigate those differences. And so it's like the sum total of all these things uh, just it stands out to me more so than others that the work you're doing now uh, is a great and beautiful culmination of all this. And, and I don't even, you know, past the university, yes, this is perfect for you, the, what you want to do at the university, but also the initiatives that you have, uh, like when you were talking about Open Door and some of these other things, it, it's all the sum total is, you know, if you didn't see it at the age of 17, I can imagine that you see it now, or I hope that you see it now and say, okay, this, this is all worked out. And this is, you know, everything together uh, has created the room because it, it sounds to me like you're in the perfect position. Uh, like when you're talking about those courses to orientate, uh, you know, young veterans into the university environment, it sounds like you're in the perfect position for that because you've got the lived experience, you understand both, uh, you've got deep sociological research, so you understand how people operate and think and motivate and everything in between. Uh, that's, that's just, it's very powerful. I hope Flinders, I hope Flinders knows what they have. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> thanks, mate. Um, look, uh, um, yeah, what I, what I know is that um, if we're going to create education, educational opportunities, uh, workplace opportunities, um, initiatives and services for veterans. We need to talk to veterans. Like uh, it, it, it is not an expert standing on the outside. And uh, yeah, I've spent my uh, 20 years after the military or 25 years after the military uh, becoming a academic, which sometimes can be sort of frowned upon because it's seemed to be obtuse and abstract. But uh, my job is to bring lived experience with the research and facts to the situation to say this is what works and uh, this is what's best for this population. Not just my opinion, it's an opinion of the, the people that I partner with along the way. Right. Including veterans. Mm. Right. Okay. So let me ask you this, uh, your work above and beyond what you're doing at the university, can you tell the guests or can you tell the listeners, excuse me, uh, a little bit about Open Door and some of the things that you're achieving with, with this group? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've uh, been around it for about, uh, eight, about a year. Uh, so we're, we're starting up, but uh, look, there's a lot of uh, really important knowledge uh, and experiences and studies and research that's happening around the globe. So uh, at some level, why would we allow that all to happen in pockets? Why wouldn't we bring that together globally, internationally? Why wouldn't we share that experience and knowledge and, uh, and research? So uh, there are some really key institutions across the globe that are doing that in the US, the UK, Canada. Open Door uh, is uh, to become uh, the Australasian hub of that process, linking with international partners to share knowledge, to engage in research together, to do cross-national cross comparative work, uh, to build that picture about how to uh, support veterans uh, in service, post-service and uh, through the life course. So uh, that's what Open Door is. And um, uh, so... In, in regionally, we work with New Zealand and um, uh, in Australia, there are some really dominant and really important uh, research centres uh, that do psychological, uh, mental health, well-being kind of research. We are taking a different tack. We're saying that uh, those sorts of things are really important, but when they sit with the average challenge that any... Um, a transitioning member faces, they exacerbate them. So let's also put our effort into understanding the uh, general transitional challenges that uh, 
military personnel have. Personnel have. So uh, those challenges are across education, employment, housing, justice, family and community, relationships, and also health. And uh, what Open Door does is to try to uh, produce research that uh, contributes to the social determinants of veterans' health and uh, some of the projects we have. Uh, I guess, you know, um, it's important not to think, there's a bit of a narrative, I think, uh, internationally, but also certainly in Australia, that warriors are broken, that veterans are broken. Um, and some of us may have issues, some of us may be broken, some of us, many of us are not. Many of us um, are uh, uh, moving out of that struggle of transitioning from a very uh, disciplined environment to a very loose liberal society, you know, general society environment. Uh, we need to create growth and opportunity for those, for every veteran, but particularly to um, focus on uh, both creating a well-being and sustainable lifestyle for those people, but also a return on investment. We've put so much money into these people, into you know, into me as a as a digger. Um, we need to uh, create, why wouldn't we not harness that capacity? You said it before, Luke, um, we turn up, we show initiative, uh, we have a sense of what's going on in the situation. We produce, you know, um, this is a strength of us. We, we know how to operate. We know how to work in a team. We know how to make things happen. So, um, why would you let that wilt on the vine? Why would you let someone go homeless? Why would you let them end up in prison? Why would you um, let them uh, struggle with mental health issues? Why wouldn't you create, why wouldn't you put the fence at the top of the cliff rather than the ambulance at the bottom? Why wouldn't you put in preventative and supportive environments for these, for, for all of us, for, for us, for these people? So uh, that's what Open Door's about. Um, researching both the struggles so we've got projects in veteran suicide, institutional abuse, veterans in prison. And we've also got projects in growth, employment, opportunity, working with state partners, working with government industry uh, to solve some of those really intractable problems, which are recognition of prior learning. How do you translate military service to uh, civilian life? And uh, pathways which are not too much of an impasse between a wage in the military and um, getting on your feet in civilian life. Right. So uh, that means innovating the way in which we do education and reskilling, upskilling and translation. Yeah. And thinking for the present and the future. Right. And, and I want to point out to all the listeners exactly uh, the, the meat of this for, for your argument capitalizing on and because i know the australian population is exactly like the united states population in that the military population is very small compared to the rest of the national population but i also know uh that the level of work and and, and motivation and people who are giving back to civil society who are like everyone on this podcast that are performing well in higher education people that are performing well in, in service positions, people who are performing well in politics, if anybody can perform well in politics, you know. Uh, <laughs> but really, all the people who are achieving... That's a podcast. <laughs> they're, they're, exactly. They're, uh, they're, the, the people who are achieving at high levels far, far, far outweigh any of the negative aspects of this population. You know, and, and you're, it's ex you're exactly right. We need to highlight and, and get a bigger return on investment to these people's efforts because honestly, having, this, having former military members, military connected people in the civilian sphere usually translate to a population of people that are a, a huge boost, you know, and an asset and a, and a boon to everyone around them. Absolutely, yeah. And, and more so than just in the, like those roles, like you, you mentioned, we have to break out of those, well, you were in the military, this is what you like to do, right? Or this is what you're suited to do. 
Uh, that's not the case. I mean, the, the case is honestly, anybody can, can do anything that they want. And, and this population is showing that they can probably do it pretty darn well. Yeah. And, you know, um, there are some uh, constraints to military service in that regard in that uh, it's employment line focused. It's this is your job. You're going to be an expert in this. And it reduces exposure to other opportunities. And what we're doing at Flinders University is establishing a program that uh, opens up uh, different disciplinary, op disciplinary opportunities to veterans. So I love it when I hear uh, the students say, I'd never thought of that. I didn't know about that. And um, uh, that's, that's, that's what it's about is uh, uh, you've learned the skills to be resilient, to adapt, to overcome uh, for initiative and to achieve outcomes. And um, it doesn't just have to be in a single stream of uh, possibilities. There's, uh, you, can, you can take over the world. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit benevolent, about of course, in a, in a benevolent way, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about what you've got on the horizon, sir. Is, is there anything that you're working on personally or, or as a group, or is there anything that you'd like to share with us that, uh, you know, we could see from you in the, in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I, um, like I mentioned a little bit before about the fact that uh, we see ourselves as developing open door veteran transition integration wellbeing research center sees itself as uh, an Australasian hub, you know, a point of contact in the south of the, the southern hemisphere um, to uh, bring together these sorts of experiences across Australia, the Pacific and um, New Zealand and other regional countries um that's that's really a big aim um so that we are really open and uh and uh, welcoming to new ideas and different ways of doing things and different cultural ways of doing things um in terms of uh, specific sort of work we're uh, uh in australia veteran suicide is a significant issue um Veterans who have left the service from 24 to 30 commit suicide at a time at the, at the highest rate in Australia. Wow. So, so yeah, uh, that's above our Indigenous population who experience, wow. you know, issues of dispossession and uh, marginalisation and poverty. Um, we uh, know more tentatively, but the same that uh, our veterans still serving um experience a veteran rate that's similar to the Australian average, average, but their mental health and suicidal behaviours are uh, higher than the national average. So military service seems to have some, you know, and this has to be investigated. We, there is no research on this in Australia, right? So uh, this has to be, uh, the Australian government has just reluctantly uh, announced a Royal Commission, which is the highest jurisdiction in the land, to look at veteran suicide. And um, we're currently sort of negotiating those terms of reference and Open Door is uh, quite active in that space. But um, this, is, this is one key initiative in Australia and one thing that Open Door is doing. And uh, we've recently won some money to uh, do a pilot study in this space, uh, working with Alabama University and uh, to share knowledge. And um, that's one key area. The other key area, I guess, um, you know, that's that's sort of that side of um, the despair of uh, us as personnel. But uh, on the growth and opportunity side, we're trying to work with uh, the state government to uh, create a uh, veteran education to employment um, statewide partnership. So uh, working with industry, working with government, working with defence, and working with universities and TAFEs or institutions of higher education to uh, create an environment uh, of recognition of prior learning, opportunity, employment opportunities, and then research into uh, tracking their well-being across that space, veterans and their families. So they're kind of the key things that we're working on at the moment. 
amazing though but taking taking the research and like some academics or some academic populations taking the research and just putting it in a journal and having no one read it except for people who are interested in what's published in the journal you're putting this into action uh, really in a pragmatic, practical and groundbreaking way and, and you know, directly uh, improving the lives of people. And that that's, I mean, in my opinion, that's, that's what this, uh, that's what this should all be about. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, there's a saying in Australia that if you want something done, ask an infantryman, but you know, I mean, really it's, uh, if you want something done, ask uh, someone from the military, right? Uh, uh, you can't uh, you, it, look uh, independent research is important sitting in your office and reading and thinking and writing is important you can't you can't undermine that right. but uh, there's also real survival issues at hand and we have to work in an applied manner as well to uh, create outcomes that reduce uh, the suffering of uh, veterans and create opportunities for veterans absolutely absolutely well, Ben, I'm I'm glad to to have learned about you today and to learn about the work that you're doing and uh, and that your group is doing. And I, I'm just I'm I'm very happy to know you and know that that you know people like you in Australia are making the headway that you are. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Uh, I'm in great program and a, a great way to uh, disseminate information across uh, all of us. We're a, we're a global community, of veterans and. Um, your work is uh, really important in building that. Thank you so much. And everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in to Veterans and Academics. Today, our special guest has been Dr. Ben Huadman of Flinders University in South Australia. And he's an associate professor of sociology there. So uh, when we release this episode, anything that Ben gives us to release with it, any links to, to work, any projects he's doing, we'll make sure to include it so you can get a deeper dive into some of the things that Ben's doing. Ben, again, thank you so much for being with us today, sir. Thank you so much. Been been very enjoyable. All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Veterans and Academics. We thank all of you for listening. Veterans in Academics is an all-veteran production of Freedom and Prosperity Think Tank. Content creation is brought to you by Dr. Luke McLeese and Dr. Michael Bevers. Web development is by Osvaldo Vargas.